Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star Online this morning. We are so thrilled that you took time out of your schedule to join us. Man, it has been a great morning already, a great morning of worship, and God, I think, has got some stuff for each of us today. So I want you to do me a favor. Go ahead and take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. This is where we've been camped out for the Soul Care Series, and we're going to begin to work through here in just a second. If you've never downloaded our app, go to North Star Church, Georgia. Get the app, and that way the notes are right there with you, and I know they're also there uh, as you, if you're on your laptop working online, but some of you are watching on Roku or you're streaming on Apple. Ever how you're watching this morning, we are so glad. I can't believe it's been eight weeks. Holy cow. Eight weeks since we've all met together on campus, it's felt weird because we're still connected. We're still connected online and through groups and all that, and none of that would happen without your giving. Thank you, thank you, thank you for how you're giving. Whether you are normally a North Star attender and giver, or this is brand new to you, your giving makes all this possible. And there's some information that's popping up right now uh, on how you can give and how you can be a part. We couldn't do what we do. We would have had to shut down. We couldn't do what we do without you giving. And North Star is the most giving church I have ever ever seen. So thanks for your giving and man, thanks for being a part of that. All right, let's dive in. Philippians chapter four. Paul is writing this letter. Remember, if you were with us the first week, we sort of hit it every week, just as a reminder of the context of this. He is writing this not from a vacation spot, but from a prison cell, not at the beginning of his Christian journey, but towards the middle end of his Christian journey. He's around 60 at this point. He's been walking with the Lord for 30 years but he's been beaten, he's been shipwrecked, he has been uh, jailed numerous times for his faith. And Paul is writing to encourage this new church at Philippi in their faith. And he writes these words, Philippians chapter four, verse four, always, always, look what he says, be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all that you do. Remember, Remember we talked about the first week, the Lord is coming soon or the Lord is near. And then last week, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Remember we said worry and concern are different. Concern is, is not a bad thing. The problem is we get consumed by concern, right? And that becomes worry. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And tell God what you need. Why? Because he cares, then he says this, and this is where we're going to camp out this week, and thank him for all that he's done. Would you circle that little phrase if you got a Bible out or you got it on your iPad or on your phone, you can highlight it, and thank him for all he's done. Then, operative word there, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart's and minds in Christ Jesus as you live in Christ Jesus. He also wrote this letter to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians. He said this, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Would you pray with me? Father, from wherever we're watching this morning, may we hear from you. God, from wherever we are uh, sitting or standing or at, would you be there? 
God, we're reminded today you don't live in bricks and mortar, that, Father, you live in the hearts and lives of your people. Father, we're reminded that wherever two or three are gathered in your name, there you are also. So, God, be with us. Be present. And teach us why Paul would say gratitude is such a big deal in our Christian journey. So, God, do your thing today. God, we want to listen. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You got your notes out this morning? You got a pen, pencil, something to write with or thumbs to type in with? I want you to write down a couple things this morning. Number one, about gratitude. Give thanks in everything because it reminds me of something. God is good. Paul tells this church, give thanks in everything because it reminds me God is good. And it's hard to remember sometimes because circumstances seems bad, news seems bad, elements around us seem bad, but it does not change the fact God is good. See, for our soul to remain healthy, we've got to make sure the operating system of our heart is in order. How do we do that? Well, we remind ourselves of what we know to be true. What's something we know to be true? God is good. No matter how we feel, no matter how we think, no matter what we see, Paul goes, listen, I want you guys to know you're new in your faith. This, this church at Philippi, you're new in your faith and this is all new to you and, and not real to you. I want you to remember something. God is good. Look at what he says. Give thanks to God there at Thessalonica. Give thanks to God. The psalmist said it this way, praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his faithful love endures forever. And we go, man, I wish I was like the psalmist. Well, you remember it was the psalmist who also said, why so downcast, oh my soul? How many times did the psalmist say, God, where are you? Have you forgotten me? Do you not know that I'm here? And then he reminds himself, no, give thanks to the Lord, why? For he is good. The, I want you to write this little thought down under number one. The essence of God is goodness. He is a good, good father. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote it this way. Whatever is good, whatever is perfect, comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. I want you to write this little thought down. Give thanks in everything, not just for everything. Give thanks in everything, not just for everything. It was Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Bell Graham, who she, she made the statement, we can be grateful in everything, not for everything, because of who he is. I think there's times in our lives we go through things and we're like, Mike, I'm having a really hard time being grateful for this. I, I get it. But it doesn't mean that we can't be grateful in it, right? Big difference. Grateful for it is one thing. Grateful in it is another thing because many times we think about gratefulness and we think about Thanksgiving. It's the only time of year where we, we write down and list our th things we're thankful for. And yet gratefulness, I want you to write this thought down, gratefulness unlocks something in our hearts. Brendan Manning, one of the fathers of the faith of this generation, said this, 
When somebody's aware of God's love, the same love that the Father has for Jesus, that person is just spontaneously grateful. Listen to what he says. Cries of thankfulness become the dominant characteristic of the interior life, and the byproduct of gratitude is joy. We are not joyful then, and then become grateful. We're grateful, and that makes us joyful. Joyful in God's goodness. See, here's the thing. If we don't figure this out, we're like a thermometer. We're, when times are good, we're, we're hot and everything's ready. And when times are bad, we're, we're down here. God says, listen, I got a better way for you to live. I want you to be thankful in everything. Point number two, give thanks in everything because I know something. God is working. Give thanks in everything because I know something. God is working. See, when we look at circumstances and we go, Mike, I can't be grateful for those. I get it. Mike, I lost my job. We've got more month than we got money. My kids are driving me nuts, right? I mean, there's just a lot going on in my family right now that you don't have any idea of. I've got grandparents and nursing homes that I'm worried about, or parents in nursing homes that I'm worried about. I've got all these things. How can I be grateful for everything? Listen, be grateful in everything because you know and I know whether I see it, whether I feel it, whether I all the time act like it. I want you to write this thought down. God is always working. I want you to capitalize it. I want you to underline it. I want you to circle it. Why? Because you and I are going to forget it. The minute that tough time squeezes us in, we forget it. You know why we forget it? We forget it because circumstances tell us otherwise. And you also have an enemy that wants you to think that God's left you in this thing by yourself. You have an enemy that wants you to think that because you don't feel him, he isn't present. Give thanks in everything because I know that God is working. Listen to the way that Paul said it to the church at Thessalonica. This is the will of God for you. And I know if I were to ask you, man, you want to be in the will of God? Oh, yeah, man, Mike, I want to be in the will of God. You know what part of the will of God is? Being thankful and being grateful. Why? Because it keeps us set. It keeps our soul restored. You know, it was the psalmist who said, and he leads me beside the quiet waters and he restores my soul. Because sometimes we begin to remember all that we have and all that God's done and all that God's up to. You know, it was Paul in one of his other letters to the church at Rome, he said, we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those that love him and are called apart according to his purpose. God works together in all things. Um, hard to remember sometimes, isn't it? You know, there's a part of this we go, man, Mike, it would be really good, but. I've had people ask me, Mike, do you, do you ever go through seasons like that? <laughs> yes, I, I do. 
If not, just reach out to Ann. I'll give you her email address. She'll tell you. We all have them, right? I remember it was uh, 2014. I was going through a spiritual leadership coaching course to get a coaching certification so I could be a, a life coach and doing it truly for the skill of being able to help my friends coaches and business leaders and people that when we meet are having to make big life decisions that I would be more equipped to help you. I mean, honestly, it's why I did it. And I remember the project I was given. It was getting ready to end up and I had to do a, a timeline, a spiritual timeline. It's a crazy deal. I thought it'd be really easy, but it wasn't easy. And, and the job was, what I had to do for this, for this workshop that I was, this, this certification I was finishing, was I had to write down every time that I remember God speaking to me. Now, he's never spoken to me audibly, but he's spoken to me plenty of times down in the recesses of my heart, sometimes through his words, sometimes through others, sometimes through prayer. Sometimes through worship, man, there's just all kinds of ways that you go, oh my gosh, that was for me. And so I had to take this timeline and I had to write it out on a sheet of paper and I went back to when I was 14. Before that, I grew up in church and had some great experiences and all that, but at 14, I remember, I remember the night I got saved as clear as clear could be. When I felt that tap, we said it at Norristar all the time, that tap on my shoulder of, Mike, it's time for you to surrender your, your, your church stuff and be mine. I remember that. And that began a journey as I really began to grow in the Lord and, and learning what that looked like. I remember being in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. I was 17 years old on a winter ski retreat up in Gatlinburg for our church. And I was, we had a prayer time and I was kneeling and my pastor, Ike, at the time, many of you know Ike, was our founding pastor at North Star. Ike leans down and whispers in my ear, God's gonna use you to do great things. And I remember feeling like that was the Lord speaking to me about my future. And you may go, Mike, he prayed that over every kid. Don't ruin my story. I thought it was for me, all right? And so don't ruin the story. So that was 17. I remember going to Liberty University, feeling... Uh, that was where I was supposed to be, and I remember all that. I could, I could spend an hour telling you all the times at Liberty. Man, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me. In fact, Brian Beloy on our stage last week said one of the quotes that stuck in my brain, nothing of eternal significance is ever accomplished apart from prayer. And it was from Dr. Falwell. And I remember feeling that and remember that, that, that thought that was from the Lord for me. I'm gonna need that one day. I remember Dr. Falwell saying, don't quit. Don't ever, ever quit. Going, God, God's speaking to my heart, going, you're going to need that one day. I remember going to my first church and had a couple different churches I could go to. And Ann and I were engaged at the time. We felt like this was the place, this church in Kennesaw was the place I was supposed to be. And I was there five and a half incredible years. And I could tell you story after story after story of moments that God spoke to us during that time. I remember we started North Star and it was clear as a bell. We were nervous but not fearful. And then just the stories of North Star. And then 2012 hit. 2012 was a hard year for a lot of North Star families. 
and for North Star as a body, as a family, as a church, and for me as a shepherd. It was a hard year. I got to this timeline in 2012, and now it's 2014. This sounds really bad, but I'm just gonna be honest, I didn't have anything. I knew God was working, just didn't see it, and I certainly didn't feel it. I knew God was speaking, but it wasn't to me. I was able to stand up every week and preach his word because it's his word, it's not my word, and it's his spirit that changes people, not my spirit that changes people. But if you were gonna go during that season, you would have said, Mike, what's God telling you? I would have had to make something up and probably did a few times. So on the spiritual timeline, I just wrote, the silent years. Well, the gentleman that was coaching me that morning in this call for the end of my certification process was a guy named Brett Pyle. He was just here working with our small group leaders and our staff. And Brett doesn't know me from Adam. We'd met for three days at a workshop, but it was a class of 30. Yeah, he knew who I was, but he didn't know me. Nor does he attend North Star, nor does he care anything about any of that. So he's just got my timeline. He's like, Mike, walk me through your story. And I walk him. And he, he, he said, I noticed that you wrote down 2012, and we were in 2014 at this point, are the silent years. Why are they called the silent years? And I remember going, Brett, I just hadn't heard the Lord in a while. And he said, well, walk me back in the story. What happened? And I told him a little bit of what happened. And he says, so you hadn't heard from the Lord? And I said, no. I hadn't. I know he's there. I trust him. I just, I just hadn't heard him. I remember Brett going, Mike, yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit. Are you familiar with the love languages, Gary Chapman? I'm like, oh, man, I love the five love languages. I teach them to premarital class. And when I'm working with a young couple and talking about gifts and acts of service and quality time, physical touch and words of affirmation. Yeah, I know him really well. He goes, I'm guessing based on our call today that you're a words guy. I said, oh yeah, yeah, I'm a words guy. When I get words, they energize me. And when I don't get them, they, they, they deplete me, right? Positive ones I love. So let me ask you a question. You, uh, during the silent season, did you get a lot of notes from people? I went, Brett, honestly, I've gotten way more notes than I've ever gotten. And North Star is an incredibly nice church, but I've gotten tons of them, handwritten and email. He said, are they easy for you to find? And this is, this is a 6 a.m. call. I went, oh, yeah, I can get them. I said, they're filed under nice notes. Don't judge my filing system. I have to find things, all right? And so under nice notes, that's where they are in my file. He said, why don't you just read me one of them during this time? So I read it to him. It was just this incredibly kind, uplifting note from just a faithful North Star friend. He said, would you mind reading me another one? And I read it to him. And he said, do you mind reading me another one? I said, no, I'd be glad to. He said, Mike, you've got some incredible people there. I said, oh, my, Brett, listen, I wouldn't have survived it without them. But he said, Mike, I feel like the Lord's telling me something to tell you. 
those notes weren't just how they felt about you. Those notes were to you to let you know how he feels about you. And he knew this season was so hard. He wanted to deliver something to you personally. He just used other people to do it. And Mike, God wasn't silent. Mike, honestly, God was speaking to you more than you ever had heard before. You just missed it. I remember that moment, probably outside my salvation, more than any other moment in my journey, when I was overwhelmed by the knowledge, God, you hadn't forgotten me. God, you've been trying to get through my thick skull. I'm here. And what I mistook as silence was really him working in my life. And I'm going to tell you, it was a game changer for me. I could point you back to so many things we've done here at North Star since then that go back to that moment. God's working. You know that song we sang before we came out this morning? He's a way maker. We left a little part out of that song. And I've asked Seth and Steph and the band to come back out here. I don't know how you find yourself this morning. I don't know if you're in your silent season. I'm going, Mike, I know it, but I just don't see it. Can I tell you something? He's working, he's moving. Steph says something a lot here, and I, I love the phrase. Sometimes we sing it because it's what we feel. And sometimes we sing it to remind ourselves of what is true. No matter how you find yourself today, I want you to sing along with us this morning. You may feel weird sitting on your couch or sitting out on your boat or in your car singing, but I'm telling you, I want to hide it away because you're going to walk through your silent seasons and you're going to walk through your tough journeys. He is working even when you don't see it. Sing along these guys, would you? I don't know what it is about that song, there's just something about it that is such a great reminder. Seth, you know, you're a worship leader and you sing that song. When you don't sense his working, and sometimes when we don't feel it, why is it so hard to remember? Even though you know it, why is it so hard to remember sometimes? It is hard because when you're in that pit, all you can see is the four walls around you. And, and you have to realize when you're in there, you can't feel or see anything because trouble, trouble dulls your, your senses. And that's why it's so hard. And when that dulling of the senses happens, what's it do to you spiritually when that happens? 
it zaps you. It drains you, just as if it would if you physically couldn't see or hear or feel. It disorientates you, and it's, it's a tough place to be because I know I've been there myself over the course of some of this, this quarantine time. It, it, it's a hard place to be. What got you out of it? I know we, we talked on a Sunday afternoon, one Sunday, yeah. just sitting out talking. What, what helped you personally turn that corner? Praise. Mm. Praise. We sing a song, um, let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Mm. And it was a fight, but it worked. <laughs> mm. We had a last point this morning. Give thanks in everything. Why? Give thanks in everything because I know someone, and that someone is Jesus, and he's always with me. We're going to sing a song about this next week. He's with me. He's going before me. He's going behind me, all around me. He is always with us. And when we're in, we're all going to have those silent years, those deserts. But we're in, when we're in that time, he's always right there with us, and he's never going anywhere and he hasn't stopped working, and he's not going to stop working. You know, Steph, we were on a call Monday with our staff, and we had a, one of my mentors and heroes, Hugh Kirby, talking. And there, he and his wife, Mary Lynn, are walking through a season right now where she's battling cancer. And she got on at the end of the call, and you brought up in, a, in another call we all had on Tuesday, something she said. What was it she said that grabbed you that day? Well, we were praying for them as a staff, and um, I may have opened my eyes when we were praying and saw her come and just this image of, of she and her husband together. And after it was over and we finished, I remember we asked her, you said, how are you doing through this? And she said, it has been the sweetest time, and I wouldn't trade it. And I, I wouldn't necessarily choose cancer that it was how it got me here, but I wouldn't trade it. And I thought, my goodness, in my life, when I walk through things that are seemingly impossible that could take my life, do I have that amount of gratitude and joy in my life that says, I wouldn't trade it? It's amazing. You know, uh, what was Paul thinking, man? You know, he's, he's in the prison cell. Life doesn't look good. Nero is awaiting him on trial. Not the nicest, kindest guy. But I think when Paul's head laid down every night, he remembered not alone. And Jesus promised that he would never leave him nor forsake him. And Paul could write this because he knew that. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, you know I got off that call with Hugh and Mary Lynn on Monday and I was a wreck. for lots of reasons. One is the intimacy those two have with you. The 
they love you and they know deeply you love them. That's why you could say a statement like that. God, if we're a believer this morning, may that be the story of our journey. Intimacy, depth, and joy. Maybe you're watching this morning and you go, Mike, I, I, uh, I don't know Jesus. I, I don't have I don't have that. I reach into my tool bag of how to bounce back from all this, like where Seth was at, I, I can't bounce back. I don't have a faith. It, if you don't have a faith, I don't know how you do it. I can't even help you. I can give you some self stuff. I can't give any soul stuff. But you may say today, Mike, I want to know Jesus. Boy, I'd love to introduce you to him this morning. Could I? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, would you pray this? Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you live for me. And I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. Welcome home. Jesus, thanks for loving us. Thanks for warning us that in this world we would have trials and tribulations. But we could take heart because you have overcome the world. Jesus, thank you for doing that for us. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Maybe today you prayed that prayer with me for the very first time. I know you got your phone out, your laptop out. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to text NSC Follow to 555-888. Text NSC Follow to 555-888. We want to celebrate with you because you are why we do what we do every week. Whether you're watching like Kevin and Valerie Burrell in Peachtree City or Jerry and Julie Bonner in Marietta, I don't know where you're watching from today, but we are so thankful you've joined us. Let's keep walking with the Lord. Worship's not a place. North Star's not a place. It's the people. Go be the church in your space and place this week. And I pray you have a great, great week.